Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. That culminated to an event where I was accused of domestic violence, accused of child abuse, and ultimately was put in jail. Um, I had faith at that time, was new into faith, uh, but it was all it was chaos and it was it was a horror show for me and everyone but uh, you know had to move through a process over about a year and a half of really saying you know God do you exist and you're going to pull me out of this and learn what patience is and obedience and following and confusion and prompts and all of this stuff that is Dr. Tom Blee a level one trauma surgeon in Minnesota Dr. Blee will outline his own journey of faith and talk about steps he has taken to care for others, including the families of those brought to his operating room. Welcome once again to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, it's so good to have you on Life Support. What we do here is we tell stories, and we want to highlight the love of Jesus because it seems that the Lord works in a special way during life's hard times, and we want to talk about that more today as well. And our guest is Dr. Tom Blee, who is a trauma surgeon from Regions Hospital. He's written a book. It's called How to Save a Surgeon, Stories of Impossible Healing, and we want to talk about that as well. Doctor, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It was great to have you um, not long ago, and we were talking about your story and how God had led you to this place of of um, crisis, really, that led you to him. And maybe you want to just give us a quick summary of that, but we kind of left it hanging. Yeah. <laughs> like, are, are you in jail still? Are you here on release? Right. Um, right. So t- tell me about that, how that all happened, and then... What was the after effect of that, and sure. what did God do? Sure, yeah, born and raised in a very unassuming family, strong middle class, uh, but the the lumps and bumps were alcoholism in the home, uh, Catholic family, but I could never grasp the Catholic faith, uh, learned more about shame and guilt than I did about Savior, brought a skill set of survival into a, a career of medicine, did well, did well in my training, did well in medicine, did well in my practice. Um, was married but couldn't do well, didn't have uh, the ability to, to do anything correct, and married a, a woman as broken as me. That culminated to an event where I was accused of domestic violence, accused of child abuse, and ultimately was put in jail. Um, I had faith at that time, was new into faith, uh, but it was, all, it was chaos and it was, it was a horror show for mm-hmm. me and everyone. But... Uh, you know, had to move through a process over about a year and a half of really saying, you know, God, do you exist? And you're going to pull me out of this and learn what patience is and obedience and following and confusion and prompts and all of this stuff. Because you had a reputation to uphold too, right? I mean, you're already doing well in your profession. and 12 years of practice, moved to inner city trauma, was doing well in that. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting, though, is the reputation was probably one of the idols that God was trying to strip mm-hmm. away from me. Mm-hmm. And identity. You're not a surgeon, Tom. That's the role you play. You're my impossible healer, which is the God-given identity that I finally learned. I need you clear of this stuff. And I'm going to strip it all down and put it right in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, And part of this process of healing was 
going outside to a whole different world. I, I'm like we talked about before. I met a former gang leader. I met your brother Steve, who was writing that book. He was the first one to surround me with a group of Christian men, and we met and things. And through that process, made it through the legal system. Ultimately, all the charges against me were dismissed. Um, I defended my medical license with no problem. It was it was intriguing because in the divorce I had to go through, there was a court-mandated psychological evaluation. And I'm like, really? You know, me? And uh, my friend John Turnipseed, you know, Five Stone Media is really made because of John. John said, I'll, t- yeah. I'll, t- I'll show you exactly where we're going to go. Sends me down to... Minneapolis for my evaluation to a, a abused women's center. And I'm in the lobby, and I'm sticking out like a sore thumb. I mean, but the women that were there, so we were all, I got wedged in over lunch, so I'm, I'm sitting on a couch. There's another woman that sat across from me, and we started talking. She's like, what are you doing here? And so I tell my story, and I'm like, well, what are you doing here? Well, she had a traumatic brain injury, and I'm like, well, I understand that. She understood the abuse charges. And here we are having a counseling session. And as I told my story, she breaks out in tears and says, you, you shouldn't be here. This is so wrong. You shouldn't be here. And every woman that came in afterwards, she's like, you got to hear this man's story. And there were eight or nine people all waiting for appointments. And here's Jesus saying, I have a crowd of support for you. Just settle down. Yeah. And I went in for this evaluation, which was supposed to be for the courts. But it was so true or honest or potentially condemning, if you could say that, they buried it. But that summary went to the medical board, and they're like, no, this issue will never be discussed. Here's your license. So charges were dismissed. License is reinstored. Divorce finally goes through. And I walked away after a year and a half, you know, beaten and bruised, but at least my head was above water, and I'm, and I'm moving forward trying to say, okay, what's next and I, I remember one of the happiest days of my life was being able to move back to my town where I practiced in Red Wing Minnesota I got a, I got my own apartment I had enough money in my bank account to pay first and last month's rent I had about 600 bucks um, and uh, I had my son talking to me again but I'm like I, it's mine I got peace yeah yeah you know I had uh, I had prayed for a new men's group I'm telling you, within 48 hours of moving back in, somebody called from the church, a friend of mine, George, said, we're starting this group. You want to do it? I said, absolutely. And he and his wife, Beth, wonderful people, knew my situation, gave me a 1000 bucks. Buy a bed for your son. Get a couch. I was in tears. What a gift. Yeah. And as a surgeon, you shouldn't be in that. But So the rebuilding was... Yeah, because that's the first thing you think is wait, wait a minute. Like you're you're a surgeon. Yep. Like you're supposed to, you're supposed to have anything you want. Yep, yep. And here God had taken you to this point. And that was another probably one of the idols. I spent a lot of time with anything I wanted, you know. But even God saying, "No, nope, we're stripping that down too." I, you, here's what you need. Here's the people that will help. And that really fostered, you know, all these things I needed to relearn with appreciation and giving and taking care of and 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 just confidence that god was going to be there yeah you know whole new skill sets developing strip the old shirt off put a new one on which can be terrifying Mm. god can actually be very scary um he is not afraid to do what he needs to do right to cut away the things that are are blocking 
us from him or to have a right relationship with him. And when we give him permission, as if he's not going to do it anyway, right. but when we give him permission, then we notice what he's doing maybe is a good way to, to look at it. But he can do extreme things. Right. And I think that's what people miss. Mm-hmm. You know, he does it. We do give him permission, but people bail. Yeah. And they don't yep. wait. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. That's why you have to be surrounded in community to get through this because you have to have people breathing truth and you just say, hold tight, he's going to rebuild this. Yeah. And you sit there at the bottom of the wave in the trough saying, there's no way. There's no way he can do it. Hold tight. And it's hard. And there's days I cried and days I didn't leave my house and days as I rebuilt my own apartment. But boy, does he blow your mind when he... Yeah. It, it happens. Yeah, and then I think you also really begin to understand the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember when I've hit these stages in my life where tragedy is struck out of nowhere and everything looks lost and there's days when you don't leave the house, you cry, you're numb, you go through all these different emotions, but the Holy Spirit continues to flood your mind with all the things you know about God. Yep. Encouragement, hope, um, and the investment that you made before that happened. All of a sudden, all this kind of theology that you didn't think you even knew is, whoa, I, yeah. Okay. Right. And that's what sort of keeps you going and keeps you connected to God because I saw, you know, in my issues, you know, when I lost my wife and my son and so forth, I saw a clear, a, a clear choice. I could go either toward God or I could go away from God. Yep. And I could very well do both right now. But somehow... There's the Holy Spirit going like, yeah, no, you don't really have a choice here. Let's just go toward God. Let's see what he's got for us. But I I attribute that totally to God's grace. Paul will return with Dr. Blee in just a moment. Trauma healing is the topic of this program. And if you know of someone going through their own journey with trauma, there are resources available online at lifesupportresources.org one-to-one care videos, blogs, and small group resources, all dealing with trauma and trauma healing. Again, that website is lifesupportresources.org, and all of the resources are free to you. And now back to Pastor Paul. There's no way he can do it. Hold title, and it's hard. There's days I cried and days I didn't leave my house and days as I rebuilt my own apartment. But boy, does he blow your mind when he, yeah, it it happens. Yeah, and then I think you also really begin to understand the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember when I've hit these stages in my life where tragedy is struck out of nowhere, and everything looks lost. And there's days when you don't leave the house, you cry, you're numb, you go through all these different emotions. But the Holy Spirit continues to flood your mind with all the things you know about God. Yep. Encouragement, hope, um, and the investment that you made before that happened. All of a sudden, all this kind of theology that you didn't think you even knew is, well, yeah. Right. And that's what sort of keeps you going and keeps you connected to God because I saw, you know, in my issues, you know, when I lost my wife and my son and so forth, I saw... A clear, a, a clear choice. I could go either toward God or I could go away from God. Yep. And I could very well do both right now. But somehow, there's the Holy Spirit going like, yeah, no, you don't really have a choice here. Let's just 
go toward God. Let's see what he's got for us. But I, I attribute that totally to God's grace. Yeah, it's, and it's interesting the way you put it, because here I'm in my own apartment doing my own thing, and it, it just every day something would pop up, a new legal, legal letter, a new accusation, a new something, and it's like, so it's, for me, I'm alone, and I'm rebuilding, but I'm alone. And yeah. that was actually the time, it's like I did my Holy Spirit work, read two books, really had to move on that next step. And I think for people listening, I mean, if you're at that crossroads, there is that benefit of, listen, get down even more personal. Jesus may have left, but his spirit is here. Do that Holy Spirit work, because it is. That's how you make the decision, which way am I going with this? Right. right. And he has to take things away, or else you'd never get to that point. None of us oh. would. We were too arrogant and too full of ourselves to actually <laughs> let him do that. Um the book is called How to Save a Surgeon. Uh, Dr. Tom Blee is our guest. You've talked a lot about being a trauma surgeon. Number one, what does a trauma surgeon actually do? Number two, how are you able to integrate your faith and the things you've learned about God into what is obviously a very difficult profession? Sure, sure. So what we do, so trauma surgeons are general surgery trained, so to speak. We don't have an office. We, we work out of a hospital, and our job is to respond to crisis so in general surgery training, you're, you're trained head to toe. We, we're just everything. Neurosurgery, urology, we deliver babies. We, it's belly surgery, chest surgery, but you end up specializing. And so the center I work in is a designated level one trauma center. So we, are, we exist for the worst of the worst. We have at least one operating room open 24 hours a day with a crew ready. We have uh, blood bank capabilities. We have... Um, neurosurgery, orthopedics, and, and, we, and we do research. That's a level one status. And so we sit there and we wait. We always say the bell's going to ring. So the activations are based on criteria and injury patterns and so on. So everyone in the world has these criteria. If it looks ugly, they call and they activate our team and we show up. So there's a dozen people that show up in these traumas for stabilization and so on. There's operating rooms ready, and uh, that's what we do. My center is about, by statistics, in St. Paul, the, I think the seventh busiest in the United States by numbers. There's probably five or 600 level one and level two centers that do this. There's three in the metro area. We are the busiest. And so this scenario happens, you know, three to seven times a day in the summer. It happens 10 to 15 times a day. Wow. And wow. so that's what that's what we do. And Our, you see about everything? Uh, yeah, as we were talking, I'm like, in your mind, make up the worst trauma <laughs> scenario you can. Make right. it up. Make it up and add to it. It's been done. We, we've, we've seen it. And so that's, that's what you do. So what, what do you do with that? We are a teaching institution as well. So we have residents and medical students, and we're teaching. And so you're orchestrating this resuscitation of patients as you're trying to teach, and then in many times you have to come back and try to settle down because it is tragedy after tragedy. There's celebrations, there's no doubt. Mm -hmm. But the tragedies too, and, and, and you can get bittered and, and you know, the, the violence and the gun violence and so on. And, and so, you know, the skill set I had before bringing Jesus into this is you just show up and do it and away you go and you bury this stuff. The skill set I have now, it's like, listen, there's, there's an opportunity. There's a reason that on my shift I'm seeing certain patients. There's mm -hmm. a reason when I do my, my trauma rounds on my patients. There's, I know that there's people that have been brought in for me specifically to see, and I bring that to the residents. But I also, from a salvation standpoint, 
you know, we, we were talking a little bit off air. It's like, well, you sh- in, you know, in 60 seconds, can you explain Christ? And it's like, well, can you do it on an elevator ride from the first floor to the third floor to the operating room with a kid that's dying that is so scared? Mm-hmm. Can you invite Christ into his life? Yep, because that's what I do. Wow. In an elevator, bending over as they're going out of, I'll whisper in their ear, "You talk to Jesus; we'll take care of the rest." Hmm. I want them to hear. My hope is the last word they hear if they pass, and they do, mm-hmm. is Jesus, mm-hmm. and they, and you can tell, you know, you can tell when patients are struggling, when patients, you know, you're in the operating room and it's like they're holding on, they're holding on, and I'll say to the residents, it's "Talking to Jesus right now, we can do what we can do, but this decision's not ours." You know, I don't think they hear that very often. Probably, they don't. You know, and maybe I'm not as bold in saying it enough. No, I think you're probably doing okay. Uh, yeah, I try to do what I can. Yeah, um, yeah. But it is different. And this, my whole ministry outside of this, with my life team things and stuff, the residents come with me, and the residents ask, and they'll they'll say to me, "Why do you spend time in that room? Or what's going on? Or what are you talking about with that person?" And they've they've walked the streets with me in certain situations. They've gone to different events. They've talked about stuff. And and many will come back with troubles and say, I don't understand. You know, what's the advice? What do you do with this? And that's when I do bring up my faith and I say, this is where I go when I have an impossible situation. This is why I pray. This is why I work on the Holy Spirit. And you're like a a living example for them because they've already seen you um, interact with that. But isn't it risky because you... You then open yourself up to hurt when people do die. Right. Or, you know, because now you're opening yourself up to care about that person. True. True. But I think if you don't, you shouldn't be in medicine, number mm-hmm. one, right? You should care about everyone that comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a discussion. 6.30 this morning, I was on an education conference about a really tragic death that happened. And part of the discussion is like, it's not only the decision making. It's like, what are you going to do with this? We need to talk about this in our career. Um, but you know, vulnerability is, is especially with faith. Faith is being chased out of hospitals. The scientific process—that's what you need. It's like, nope, you don't. You need prayer. You need hmm. more. And I think the most vulnerable I ever was when I released this book. I talked about it with my writer. What's going to happen when they find out I pray? You know, or I know Jesus. I'm gonna. But was intriguing is the people that came forward. It's God's like, just settle down. Because mm-hmm. the book came out, and these warriors showed up, ER nurses that didn't know, other doctors that were not as Like bold. an army of Christians. Yeah, they came yeah. and said, fabulous. And yeah. it went through book clubs, and it, went, it started a prayer group in our ER between nurses. It became a, a tool to hand out. Residents would come up to me and say, there's a guy you need to go see. Give me your book. I'll go hand it to him. It's a tool. Yeah, it's like being a pastor. There's always somebody that says, "Yeah, there's somebody you got to go talk to." Oh yeah, yep. it's like, well, you should number one come with me, but <laughs> right. yes, I'll do that. Or, or I love this one. Hey, throw one up to the big guy for me. Right, right. right. It's like, yeah. yeah, no, let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but what a wonderful example! And so, on a day-to-day basis, you're seeing a lot of chaos, like you you talked about. You're seeing a lot of pain. Um, at the end of the day, how do you grapple with that? When you go home, it's quiet. You've just been through, you know, stuff that I can't even imagine. Sure. How do you then kind of get your wits about you and get ready for the next day? Yeah, so there's a few things. Number one, give thanks. There's a reason I'm there. There's a skill set. I do thank God on the way home. Number two, part of my restoration and the amazing part of this is my wife. 
um, I've been given a new wife who's a Catholic, right? Strong Catholic and rebuilt that faith. She's actually a surgical ICU nurse. Um, we didn't know that I had taken her appendix out some 20 years ago. Oh, she wow. was a patient of mine. Yeah. Um, and so she is a rock. She is salvation. She is in faith. And we talk about it a lot because a lot of times I always say there's a lot of disasters I create that she and her colleagues have to clean up in the ICU setting. And, and uh, I got four new kids out of this. So when my two sons were taken away and I had to rebuild that, part of what God was saying is, listen, I can restore your um, reputation as a father because I'm entrusting four new kids with you. So I have a, you know, I have a 33-year-old, a 22-year-old, a 17, 15, 13, 11 now and four with me, and that's part of it, too. That sounds like when I'm trying to explain my life to people. Yeah. <laughs> and they look at me like, can you repeat that, please? Right. And then I have people saying, like, are you a Mormon? <laughs> I go, no, let's, let me, let's just talk for a while. <laughs> right. And that's what he brought. And yeah. so going home, it's like, be a father, be a husband, don't be a surgeon. Yeah. Spend time with these kids. Watch what they do. Enjoy. Celebrate. Move. you got to turn that off, don't you? And you've got to, yep. like... Yeah, and I think God is always calling us to that. You know, it's so easy to just glum in on what we do for a living because it is important. It is a calling that we have. Yep. But, man, that those people at home are a, a higher calling. Right. Far higher. Right. It's a role. Yeah. Our jobs are a role. Our identity, when we're in it, and again, for me, the, is an impossible healer. It's like, go home and heal these kids, too. They went through a divorce as well. My wife had to go through a divorce to get to me, and it's like you still have a an identity. You have to go home and heal your family. You know, so much of what we're missing now in this world is we're just not taking care of the family. COVID was a blessing if you could see it. Yeah, God's like, go home. Yeah, eat dinner around the table. I told my wife often during COVID that you're lucky to have me here. <laughs> I'm not sure she was buying that, that but. I told that. Yep. <laughs> hey, okay, one, one quick question. Yep. We just have a couple minutes left. Um, someone might be listening right now that's saying, yeah, but man, I, I want to buy into hope. I, I'm struggling. I'm going through some things in my life. But man, you're, you're a trauma surgeon. Like, you're smarter than I am. You've, you've got this career. I'm just here at home. I, nobody knows I'm, nobody knows me. I'm, I'm lost. What words of encouragement could you offer to someone who's listening to your story? Yeah. My whole nonprofit is based on hope. All I need to do is try to walk into a room and it's like one flicker of hope. And like that, I can work with that and God can work with that. So the one flicker of hope should, don't go into comparison Mm -hmm. of someone else. Don't go into a list of my life is worse than yours because. Yeah. God works in the truth. You go to God with a flicker of hope and say, the truth, God, I don't understand you. Please show me. The truth, God, is I need healing. Don't even know what it means. The truth, God, is I'm, I'm scared. I'm lonely. I'm in pain. God can work in truth. That's confession. So just say it. Just say it. Say it. I grew up in the Catholic Church, and confession was, I'm sorry, and this is terrible, and I'm a terrible person. You never get anywhere with it. What God says is, that's not confession. Confession is, just tell me the truth. I can work with that. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus um, reacted to truth in amazing ways when people were actually honest with him. Right. It's when they were trying to 
BS him that he got really frustrated. Right. And if you go to the Bible and look at the honesty and the truth, miracles always followed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And lives were changed. Lives were changed. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, your life's been changed. All right. So how do I find how to save a surgeon? <laughs> the easiest this looks is, fantastic. Yep. You go to the world, <laughs> Amazon. Type in uh, where you books find everything. Where you find everything, Dr. Now, you Tom said Lee. there's another one, though. You want to be careful not to get the other one. They come up together. Yeah, there's a How to Save a Surgeon in a Different Genre. doesn't have as many reviews. I finally went ahead them on, re- on four point five star <laughs> reviews. And was, but, yeah, be careful what you click. So make sure it's, doc- it's to- Dr. Tom Blee's book. And um, I really appreciate you dropping by. You've got an amazing ministry and an amazing story. And I just want to encourage you just to keep going. Just Thank keep you. doing what yeah. God's calling you to do. It's pretty cool. Thank you. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much for being here. You know what? In Philippians 1, verse 6, the Bible says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That means that you may feel lost. You may feel discouraged. You may feel like God has left but it's not true. The Bible says he is going to complete a work that he's doing in your life, and he promises to do that. Is it going to be easy? Frankly, probably not. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a good work. But as Dr. has said to us, you know, just hang in there. Don't give up. Let God keep working, and you'll see him work at the end of the day. And if you're really struggling, please reach out. Um, find someone in your community. Find a friend. Find a pastor. You can email me at Ridgewood Church. I'd love to have a conversation with you. And I'm so thankful for our partners that allow us to do this program. Uh, Faith Radio, KTIS, they give us this wonderful uh, platform at MyFaithRadio.com. You can see a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. And again, you can email me anytime at MyRWC.org. Just look for the lead pastor, Pastor Paul. And thanks so much for listening to Life Support. to this life support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of life support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support.